Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Yes, we're back again for yet another episode of 27 Speaks with your witty lineup of editors from the Express <laughs> News Group. Everyone feeling witty today? Silence. <laughs> that silence is the burnout of August. Sorry. No, no, no. I get it, man. It's like the brain dead thing. I am just like, I got that look of, uh, I got to turn this off. Who's being noisome? <laughs> Fred. Oh my God, Mike! Right? <laughs> is, is it me? Is is there a lot of background noise? No, 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 no. This was an email that just came in from Brandon about the word noisome. Oh, uh, another one. We're still being noisome about noisome. <laughs> it's it's just my super delayed reply to your to your email from earlier this morning. Uh, anyways, so it's August, and I think we're all feeling the strain. I don't know. Are you guys like? It just feels like it, like a, the treadmill, you know, I feel like the little hamster on the wheel and the wheel's just been going like really fast for the last yeah. several months. Well, as far as our listeners are concerned, it's September. Yeah, it's that's true. Tuesdays behind us. <laughs> By the time we actually uh, get this up on the on the airwaves. So, so we're all relaxed and, 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 and intoxicated. Um. So, so, hey, it's almost Labor Day, folks. Yeah. And the, and the weather, the leaves are turning and the weather's getting cooler. <laughs> Snow's on the way. Well, I think, you know, that was that was part of the whole um, summer, you know, summer doldrums thing is it was so hot and muggy for so long that it was yeah. just difficult to, to do a lot. So there wasn't any counter to the inside working thing. I think also after like, you know, with, you know, the work that we have workload we have at the paper we don't get out to really enjoy everything that we're putting in the paper sometimes you know like by the time right. the weekend rolls around it's like the last thing i want to do is um get in my car and fight the traffic to go to something so it's like when i interview a performer and they're like so are you coming to the show and i'm like no i <laughs> think i got that kind of time well by that time we're on to the next week that's the thing because most everything we write is like a preview of of those shows so yeah, that's very true. It's true. But I don't know. We'll see. So this week we're talking about not not the traffic and not affordable housing and not any of that, 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 but we are talking about something that seems to have changed in recent years, and that is the Conic Bay scallop population. And um, lovers of seafood will know that Peconic Bay scallops are legendary. And they have been in much shorter supply, unfortunately, in the last 20 or more years. So with us today on the podcast is Bill Sutton at the controls. Hey, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And Brendan O'Reilly is back with us again. Hi, Brendan. Hi, everybody. I'm Brendan. I am the deputy managing editor. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us this week is senior reporter Mike Wright. Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Mike is hiding in the vestibule at the Sag Harbor Express office to find a quiet spot where he can speak. So he's got he's got a unique 
a unique perspective on the world right now, looking out at the traffic on 114. So it's a little quieter now that the Peter's fruit delivery truck pulled away. Oh, wait, Suffolk Laundry just pulled up. Sen's so <laughs> getting their laundry. Hopefully his compressor isn't as loud as the fruit truck. That's right. Our, our Ford correspondent in Sag Harbor is telling us exactly <laughs> what's happening. Now that, that is local news. Yeah. <laughs> So the reason that we had uh, Mike join us this week is Mike recently wrote a story about the um, situation for the base gallops in our region. And it seems like this is an annual story for us. And it also seems like it's become an annual not great news story for us because um, every year we think or the scientists think that it's going to be a a pretty good one for the scallop population. And then we have a a massive die off. So, Mike, do you want to take it from here and talk a little bit about what you learned about this year's scallop population and what they're seeing happening with them out there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so as one of the uh, as one of the Cornell Cooperative Extension marine biologists said to me, it's rinse and repeat again this year. Uh, and this is uh, this is actually the only the fourth year that that it's been this disaster. Um, you know, scallops uh, were wiped out in the late '80s and mid '90s. Uh, and then were almost non-existent. I mean, just just a faint, faint whisper of what they had been uh, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, you know, when when uh, Bayman harvested hundreds of thousands of bushels of bay scallops uh, just from the Peconics and Gardner Bay and Gardner's Bay and Shinnecock Bay. Uh, you know, which is millions of scallops and, uh, you know, was the bulk of a lot of Bayman's income for years. And then they collapsed and it went down to, you know, in some years, just a matter of hundreds of uh, bushels harvested from the whole bay. And the and the Bayman community uh, dwindled uh, right along with it. Um, and then they, they, you know, the Cornell uh, Cooperative Extension actually um, had sort of led one of the uh, one of the efforts and, and Long Island University said CW Post. Uh, scientists had had led this uh, base gallop restoration project, which went on for decades, where they were um, they were taking wild scallops and 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 spawning them in hatcheries and releasing them into the bays. And you know that that's difficult with scallops, so it's not as it hasn't been as successful as it has with hard clams. But um, uh, they had sort of clawed back, and we'd actually had some some very good years in the last decade or so. And, uh, you know, in 2018, they had a, a banner harvest and 2019 was looking like it was going to be, um, you know, an, an all, you know, back to the back to the numbers that you saw in the uh, in the 90s in some years. And then um, and, and they're basing that basically on uh, in the springtime, uh, some Bateman, but also scientists would go out and they would, uh, you know, dive down to the to the bottom of the bay and and look and see if they're seeing lots of young scallops that were born scallops spawn in uh, June and July. And so they, and they come out really tiny. But, you know, by the next spring, they're uh, they're like, you know, bigger than a quarter, maybe the size of a half dollar or something like that. They call them bugs. And uh, they can be seen. And so and so fishermen would see them and scientists would see them and they'd say, wow, it looks like it's going to be a, a really spectacular harvest. And then um, the Cornell and uh, Long Island University scientists in the fall, when they do their surveys just before the season starts, dove down and found that they were all dead, like literally 90 plus percent of them that year uh, were dead. And um, that has repeated itself each year since then this was the fourth year now and um you know it's still not definitive yet but they uh since this started 
they started instead of just doing spring and fall surveys, um, the Cornell uh, Cooperative Extension does some summertime surveys in just a couple of spots and they do them regularly and sort of track how it's going. And, uh, you know, they you're sort of right on schedule in just the last three weeks or so. Um, they went from uh, the one scientist said they went from a scallop every meter of their 150 square meter uh, test site, which is you know pretty small, but it's uh, you know a bunch of scallops in a little tiny area, and they dove down uh, last week or two weeks ago, and there were two, literally two scallops in the entire thing alive. But still, they're, so. they're just so they're just gone. It's not like the bodies of these scallops are down no, there. yeah, shells. The shells are there. A lot of the time, the shells are still there. They call them uh, they call them clappers. Uh, because, you know, it's just the, the scallop dies and the shell doesn't break apart. It just opens up and, well, you know, looks like a looks like a clastinet. And in the current, it'll like clap closed and open and kind of it's, it's a very kind of spooky image uh, if you see it, uh, if you're swimming and you see one like that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the time and, and, you know, and that's one of the one of the signs that they've used in their uh, in their investigations of what's killing them is that when they see the shells like that, it tells them that. You know, this isn't a scallop that was eaten by an animal, um, you know, that would have crushed the shell to get at the meat. Uh, this is a scallop that just died and, wow. you know, died where it sat, basically. And it's, you know, the, its remains are still are still sitting there. So, you know, they're going to they're going to do their fall surveys in a few weeks, which they have like 25 spots all over the bays from Flanders all the way to Orient. These were just two spots, one in one in Orient Harbor and one in Northwest Harbor right here in Sag Harbor. Um, but, you know, with, with those sort of numbers and the timing being exactly what it's been the last three years, there's not a lot of hope that they're going to see um, a lot of difference uh, in other places. You know, the, the last even in the last four years, there have been some some little pockets of places where it didn't seem to happen. Montauk's had a couple spots and Gardner's Bay, but uh for the most part, it's been it's been pretty much across the board. Have they pretty much determined that it's this parasite that that's killing them? I know for a couple of years there were a couple of different theories, and and the whole um, you know warming warm warm waters from from you know uh, climate change. And, and all that, but it seems now that they're kind of focusing on the, on this parasite. Is that your understanding? Um, yeah, I mean, they, the parasite was always a uh, was always a sort of a prime mover of all of this. Um, yeah. you, you know, basically the understanding is, or or the the uh, uh, preferred theory right now is that it's just it's a combination of stressors, and that what really actually is the event that's killing them is is spawning, um, oh. is is when they're spawning and. You know, it's been it's been this it's been this weird cyclical thing in that, um, you know, you, we, we think about, oh, they're the, the, it's a disaster. They all died, except that they're dying while they're spawning. So every year this happens, all the adults die. But then there's all these babies. So, you know, that you had this huge uh, population uh, set, they call it in 2019, because scallops only live for about 18 months to two years naturally if if, if they weren't harvested. So, you know, uh, the whole population sort of resets every every year and a half or so. So, uh, you know, they had this huge set in 2019. Um, and yes, they all died, but they also spawned. So they created another huge set. I mean, the, 
the the 2020 set was enormous enormous also and it's kind of it's kind of what's so devastating about the extent uh, of the die-off is that it's just enormous enormous numbers of of these animals and so the you know they've had successful spawns each of these years but that spawning is does appear to be what's killing the uh the adults and as one of the scientists said to me uh, this year is that you know it's not so much thus far a concern about the species the the species is is sustaining itself it's just we've lost them as a harvestable uh, uh asset mm. you know a resource uh, because they're dying before we get to go and kill them our, ourselves but right um, so the scallops the scallops that people eat just to clarify are the ones that would die within a few months anyway so you're not removing like scallops that could theoretically um have more little scallops yeah i mean yes to a certain extent yes the, i mean the, the understanding is that yeah the most of them would only live about 18 months there there is some uh, there are some uh, people that say you should just stop the harvest and you know, let them live because some of them could potentially live into a second summer and spawn, you know, a third time. You know, the 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 scallop season starts the first uh, first week in in November, and the reason they chose that is that you know they found that a scallop will spawn in June and July, and then they'll spawn sometimes again in September and October. Um, so they so they delay the harvest until November in hopes that they will spawn twice. And, you know, some of those ones that are born in September and October could theoretically survive all the way through to the to the next summer and spawn. I mean, through through a, another summer and a half and spawn at the beginning of the following summer, you know, so that they would theoretically spawn three times. Um, but, you know, these the rules were sort of set up and the practice was set up back when you know, the scallops were kind of always there. And, and yes, the understanding is that, you know, most of them would probably die anyway. So you might as well, uh, you might as well reap the, the benefit, economic benefits of them. So that's, uh, you know, that's, that's how that has, uh, has been done for years and years. And so, so they're dying, <clears throat> they're, excuse me, they're dying after that first spawn. So, so even if you, if you brought the harvest season back a little, there still would be nothing to harvest because, yeah, the right. The adults, the adults are are dying. Um, I mean, you could say that we shouldn't be harvesting the ones that survive because, you know, maybe they survived for a reason. And that's one of the things that the scientists are doing now is that they're they're actually taking scallops that do survive these uh, these die offs and they're using them to create the seeds, the spawn in their hatcheries in hopes that those scallops survive these these stressors of, you know, there's this parasite, um, uh, water temperatures in the Bay uh, in the last 15 years are historically um, at a level that is, uh, you know, threatens to kill scallops anyway. Um, and then you have the, then you have the stresses of spawning and that's when they die. And so they're hoping that, you know, some of these scallops survive simply because they have a genetic wrinkle that helps them survive either fend off the stresses of the parasite is probably what most think is the most likely adaptation um but also you know warm waters you know, i mean they have base scallops you know in tampa bay in florida you know there are species of base scallops that survive in very warm waters and and uh theoretically our base scallops would evolve and adapt to that also over time simply by some of them surviving and spawning and that could take a long long 
time and the scientists at Cornell are hoping that by uh, this selective breeding, as they call it, they'll be able to uh, sort of speed that up um, a little bit. And, you know, so if, if you, yeah, you canceled the harvests for a few years and didn't harvest the ones that did survive, you know, would that maybe give you a better chance of seeing more spawning? We don't know. I mean, listen, the numbers of scallops aren't really the problem. It's it's that they're dying. <laughs> the ones the ones that are dying are spawning prodigiously before they die. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. That's why it's so fascinating with these scientists that, that you, you talk to and you just you, you just mentioned it, that, that finding the ones that aren't dying and, and trying to get them to, um, I guess, spawn in, in the lab and, and create the, you know, a larger number of, of these scallops that, that, that might be immune to whatever is going on and, and, you know, and kind of seeding it that way and putting them back that way. I think it's kind of hopeful anyway. Yeah. I wonder, are they looking, I think what's curious too, are they looking at places where maybe that has been successful? You'd mentioned that in Montauk and maybe parts of Gardner's Bay, they've done better there with the harvest. And maybe there's some, you know, could it be a salinity thing? Could it be a nutrients in the water thing? I'm just wondering, are they doing any studies about what those waters have going on that makes them more productive maybe? Yeah, they have. And, you know, there haven't, there haven't been any places that like, it's been consistent over the last four years where uh, where they're, you know, clearly they're just not dying there. I mean, I, I think the assumption would be that those would be places like, you know, Montauk and Gardner's Bay where you have cooler waters. You got mm. warm, uh, cool ocean water flushing in there. And and so that removes one of the stressors um, on uh, on the scallops, you know back in Flanders Bay, you now by the by early June have water temperatures over 80 degrees, uh, you know, for weeks and weeks at a time, which, you know, pretty much scale are the Peconic Bay scallops, you know, which is a, a specific subspecies, you know, they they start to die in labs when water gets to be like 78, 79 degrees over an extended period of time. So when you've got uh, when you've got two, three, four weeks of uh, 80 plus degree water, you know, that alone is going to threaten the uh, the viability of, of base scallops living. And then, you know, you weaken them a little bit more with a with a parasite, which, you know, the parasite doesn't kill them. Um, but it does. It is just sort of this stressor. They had never discovered this parasite until this die off started happening. And they, you know, they started dissecting oyster uh, scallops to, to try and figure out what the hell could possibly be killing them. And they found this parasite. But, you know, they, they said they seem to be living with it just fine uh, until they you know, until they spawn in, in water that's like 75 degrees and, and higher. And that's, uh, you know, that's the problem. 
you know, one of the things is that, you know, scallops were kind of fickle anyway. And, um, you know, Shinnecock Bay, which has nice, cool water, hasn't had any scallops, either babies or otherwise. So they haven't seen the die-offs because there just haven't been any in, in years now. Um, and, you know, that's the, so that that's kind of one of the things that makes it uh, difficult to say, oh, this place is probably fine because, you know, maybe you would have had a set there if there were scallops there to start with. So. There's, there's been no effort to, to seed Shinnecock Bay or to grow a population there? There is. They, I mean, they do do that. I, I don't think they do any scallop seeding in Shinnecock Bay. I'm not sure that. I think the seeding is all in the Peconics, but I'm not positive of that. Um, yeah, I mean, seed, again, seeding scallops, you know, the, Cornell raises about 350,000 scallops, uh, you know, to like adult size. Uh, that's pretty much how they do it is they, they raise them when they're tiny, tiny little that, you know, they're a lot of things will kill them in the bay. And so they, they breed them in the hatchery and they raise them to a side where they're not a size where they're not going to be as easily killed by predators, basically, uh, and then release them sort of to give them a better chance. But, you know, you know how everybody everybody grows oysters in uh, in cages now. Scallops are just they're delicate and they don't do well outside of just their normal uh, ideal environment. And so they've been they they're hard to seed. They're hard to grow. Um and you know the efforts the efforts are uh, are herculean as it is um so yeah i don't think they've they've done any major major seeding efforts um uh, you know they're they're trying to figure out the the problem here uh first and find a way to get them to survive and then i'm sure they could they could redouble their efforts i mean you know harris and toby who's who's leading this monitoring effort um, said that you know it's it's conceivable that if you had a failed spawn one year in addition to all these die-offs and so the population basically just went back to the zero that it was in you know two or 2000 2001 2003 when when you literally had a thousand bushels harvested a year that you know the the seeding that cornell was doing really was the was sustaining the uh, the wild population and um you know these are these are wild. These these are you know their seeding is is uh, coming from scallops that that are born in the bays, and uh, you know they're not doing any genetic tinkering other than you know this kind of selective breeding just by taking the animals themselves and saying, well, this one survived. Um, let's let's see if maybe hit, its offspring will survive. That you know otherwise it's the same animal. They're not bringing them in from other places and that sort of thing, which you know, it can be, uh, can be a little complicated, uh, uh, biologically. So. Yeah. I'm also wondering, you know, like the, the spot that you mentioned Northwest Harbor where they check, that's pretty shallow water. So I could see that being a lot warmer, um, than maybe some of the other spots. So it'll be interesting if they do expand their research area to maybe look at some deeper spots. So see oh yeah they do they have yeah they have a lot of deep spots those are the ones they have like i said they have like 22 or 25 spots total the uh the one in northwest which actually is is fairly deep um and that get that gets flushed pretty well that that's pretty a lot of water flowing through there with the uh you know because sag harbor is very deep so there's plenty of cool water i think he said that the water temperatures in there were like 77 or something like that which is warm you know um, but yeah, they have, they have a bunch of spots and, and they're deep, they're shallow, they're all over the Peconics. Um, that those are, those are the ones that they'll go to in the, uh, 
in the fall, uh, starting in like mid September to mid October, they dive on those and, and do their do their research. Uh, w- why they only do two in the summer, I imagine, is just a, a workload uh, a workload issue because you know this is like this is only done by scuba diving, and they have to dive down and literally count scallops on the bay bottom, which you know is if you've ever gone diving for scallops, is uh, you know yes, it's easy, but not really. <laughs> Mike, has this summer's drought been good for the shellfish and for our bays because we don't have all of that nutrient flow going in? Yeah, um, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard about any major uh, algae blooms lately, which do come that way. But you know, the problem with uh, with our weather pattern is that yeah, we get a drought, but really, rain isn't the problem. It's heavy rains. And that's kind of our pattern now, right? We go weeks and weeks without rain, and then it rains like, you know, two inches, like it did here in Sag Harbor a, a couple of weeks ago, where you get these torrential downpours. And, uh, you know, what they've always said about, about uh, rain runoff and nutrient loading is that it's that first half an inch of rain that carries all the bad stuff into the water. Um, because that's where, you know, when it hasn't rained for three weeks, you got all that, you know, animal feces and oils and just crap built up on the road and on people's lawns. And then that rain comes and just flushes it all into the bay at one time. Um, So it would be much better if it rained, you know, half an inch, you know, three times a week as compared to raining two inches once a month, you know, which is kind of where we're, uh, where we're going. That's, you know, the drought, the drought necessarily doesn't save the bays from those nutrient influxes, but, uh, Maybe it's been so bad this year that you're seeing a little bit less of it. I, I need to look into that actually this week. So did they talk about the, the eelgrass at all? Because I know eelgrass was like kind of a crucial species, the uh, the grass that used to grow on the bottom of the bays that scallops like to um, kind of hide in. And I wonder, you know, I remember that being a big issue when the first brown tide came around in the mid to late 80s and the eelgrass die-off was one of the things they pointed to as a problem. Did they talk about that much or their reseeding efforts and would that um, maybe help protect the scallops, do you think? Well, again, so, you know, this this is a very specific issue uh, that we are, uh, that we're dealing with right now. Eelgrass, yes, helps scallops survive in general, but again, you know, the problem here isn't not having enough scallops. It's that the ones we have are all dying en masse, like all at once. And so, uh, you know, the uh, eelgrass is generally seen as uh, a boon to uh, scallop survival because it protects them from predators. It's, you know, it's a place to hide. It, it's uh, it's shelter. And that, you know, that's not the that's not the issue here that in the long run, we need more eelgrass. Uh, you know, the bays need more eelgrass. Um, although one of the one of the things that, uh, you know, frustrating about scallops in general is that um, they said that in Bullhead Bay, which is a, a, a section of bay off of West Neck in Southampton that empties into uh, into Peconic Bay, which used to be a, a mother load of scallops every year, is a bay that, you know, for whatever reason is super clean. The water's crystal clear. There's tons of eelgrass. There's no scallops. There's no scallops. There's no shrimp. There's just nothing. Um, And they don't know why that, why that is Mm. at all. Um, But yeah, that's one of the few, that's one of the little pockets of eelgrass, uh, you know, reminders of what, of what the bay used to look like out here where eelgrass was just like giant carpets of it along the, along the bay bottoms in, uh, in 
you know, basically everywhere. And, uh, you know, Cornell's, Cornell's working on that too. <laughs> Did the brown tide kill off that eel grass, do they think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a, I mean, it was, it, it was a slow process, but yes, the, yeah, the, I mean, in those, those first eel grass, uh, those first brown tides in uh, 85, uh, I think 88, 89, and then the, the really bad one was 95. And, um, you know, people that were around back then, which, I mean, I remember those. We used to go to the Peconic Beach Club when I was a little kid. And I remember that brown tide in 85, which was like, there was like a line across the bay where half of the bay was brown and the other half was blue. And it just, it just like grew every day. And, uh, you know, and they, they would talk of people, people now, Bayman especially, would talk about how the bays, the shores of the bay were just lined with dead eelgrass that had, that had broken off uh, back in those days. And, uh, yeah, because that brown tide was especially bad for the grasses because it, it actually blocked out the sunlight. You know, we have all these other um, uh, uh, algae blooms nowadays, but none of them actually change the color of the water in an entire section of the bay you know, to such an extent that it actually can kill uh, vegetation because it, because it steals sunlight, sunlight from, from uh, mm. the grass growing on the bottom. It's, it's, and it's just, you know, eel grass, it's tough. It's just never come back. It's been replaced in a lot of places by uh, codium or cadium, codium, I think it's called, which is that rubbery stringy kind of grass that you see on the beach that grows off of rocks. And listen, the scallops grow in that stuff now. Um, but, yeah, we'd like to have eelgrass back, and Cornell's been trying to bring that back too. It's difficult, you know, just like scallops, it's fickle. So, do we not see brown tide then, like we used to? As it just turned into no. kind, of, really? Huh? No, there uh, there hasn't been any brown tide. I think now in on the east end. Although, I mean, I don't know about this year because it can always pop up. It we we hadn't seen it anywhere other than um, western Shinnecock Bay since the '90s, actually. Um, the Western Shinnecock Bay had it every single year until about, oh, I want to say it's been seven, eight, maybe it's 10 years. I would, I, I would have to check on that. It's been a while since Western Shinnecock Bay had them also. Um, it went away, which, uh, you know, sometimes is just natural. Uh, you know, it's not because the bay got cleaned up or anything. It's just, it's just a natural thing. Other algae adapt and outcompete it and, you know, they still have it very bad in Great South Bay and uh, some other bays uh, to the west. But, yeah, we haven't had brown tide out here in, in a long time. But we've got, I think, six other species of harmful algal blooms now that had never been seen uh, before. You know, brown tide was the uh, was the entree, as it were, that uh, that introduced us to harmful algal, algal blooms. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. So was it there, was there like a, a, a fish, a, like a ray that they were talking about or something invasive that they thought was eating the scallops? Yeah, the cow, the cow nose rays, cow nose rays, which do munch down on scallops. Steve Tettleback, who's one of the, uh, one of the scientists said that 
Um, they do think now that maybe predation is causing a little bit more of the adult die-off than they used to in the past, uh, but probably not the cow nose rays because the cow nose rays don't seem to arrive until like uh, late June at the earliest and, and August. And they're not every year. Like this year, there were none until this past week. Now there's, now there's some. Um, and it just happened that the first year that this happened uh, was also the first year that huge numbers of these cow nose rays stormed into our bays. And I mean, I, I would see schools of hundreds of them in Shinnecock Bay and they do eat shellfish. They're, uh, you know, they're big. They weigh like 20, 30 pounds. They're super strong. They got mouths like little sharks that just can crush a, uh, crush a scallop shell, especially scallops are not the hardest of, uh, of shellfish and these things eat everything. Um, they've devastated scallop and oyster beds in the Chesapeake and down in South Jersey and stuff. Um, so yeah, they are, they are definitely a scary prospect. But, but, but would, would there be a relation, would there be a relationship between, between that and, and, and the spawning? Because it seems like we're thinking that they're dying when, you know, when, when they're spawning, would that, would that excite these rays, you know, or, or bring them? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, whether that drew them in or whatever, yeah. right? you know, like chum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Except that, you know, they're an ocean migrating species. So they, you know, they came, uh, they came steaming up from the ocean. So the, you know, them smelling a bunch of dead scallops and the peconics, it might've lured them into the peconics, uh -huh. but they were probably going to get there anyway. Uh -huh. If they're, you know, they, they, they swim really fast and they roam the bay and, you know, they, if they would, they would munch up everything they're going to eat in a bay in a hurry and move on, you know, like locusts kind of, um, they, they haven't been as thick. I've never seen one of these. How big are they? Uh, they're about, I would say, three or four feet across. They're wow. brown. Um, you know, they look like the classic stingray that you would picture. They swim in packs, sometimes two or three, sometimes 50 or 100. Um, wow. Yeah, fishermen catch them all the time. They eat, you know, they eat guys that are fluke fishing. They eat their baits. Um, I hear they're supposed to be delicious. I know that down south in, in Jersey and in the Chesapeake, they've They've been really promoting trying to get fishermen to keep them. Um, I, my understanding is they're kind of a pain in the neck to clean, and that's why people don't do it. Um, but they're supposed to be very good. Um, uh, you know, they haven't they haven't been a real menace. They, they they haven't been every year that you know that first year 2019. There were just tons of them. There haven't been that many since then. Um, but they are they are here uh, right you know just in this last week they showed up and so yeah they cause a problem but one of the one of the you know when they were doing that initial investigation in those first two years one of the points that they made was that as I said before because they were finding all these shells on the bottom which if a cow nose ray ate a scallop there would be nothing left of it and so they said that the fact that they find the corpses you know, the remains tells them that this isn't something that, uh, uh, you know, they would see if a, if a spider crab got onto it and drilled through the shell and ate it, you know, that would, that would have a, that would leave a signature that they would know. So, uh, you know, the, the real die off, uh, is, is just a natural occurrence that is vexing. And, uh, it seems like the only solution to it is going to be either the scallops adapting on their own you know, mother nature taking care of it by either, uh, uh, you know, having the parasite die off or just vanish on its own, 
or water temperatures, you know, not getting as hot, you know, if we get some cool years, uh, cool summers, maybe, um, you know, that would, that would, uh, maybe give you a break from this, uh, from this really, really sad pattern that we're in right now. Can we make the spawning a little less stressful then? For <laughs> mood, yeah. mood music, maybe yeah, different uh, kind of lighting yeah. or something. Yeah, just, yeah, you, you know, can so do it. You can, so. you can do it in a uh, university hatchery in Southall. That's, uh, That's very romantic. Pretty much the way to do it. They they do exactly that. Mood lighting, really setting the setting yeah. the temperature just right. Oh, absolutely. They're 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 master matchmakers. Those Cornell boys. <laughs> And girls. <laughs> and girls. So, um, so what's I was you know you know you know the fishing community pretty well. So, what's the situation like? Do do um baymen even try to go out for scallops anymore? Is there any any point in it? Um, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, some do just out of you know sort of habit or or uh, boundless optimism, maybe. But <laughs> listen. Ed Warner, Southampton Town Trustee, you know, third or fourth generation commercial bayman, did not go scalloping on opening day of scallop season last year. Yeah. You know, that, that was a signal to me of how of how bad that's really gotten. And listen, baymen haven't been able to rely, you know, the baymen that are left, which of which there's only probably 30 guys, 40 guys that are making their full-time living just as baymen now, uh, whereas it used to be hundreds and hundreds. Um, uh, you know, they haven't been able to rely on scallops to be a meaningful part of their uh, income in decades. You know, in a good year, yeah, it's a nice little bonus. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a handful, the Lester's, uh, you know, in East Hampton that still work hard at, at finding every scallop they can when uh, scallop season comes around. But, you know, it ain't, it's not a make or break thing uh, for anybody anymore, just because it's not reliable. It's also not the easiest way to fish either right it's pretty messy and uh it's not bad it's it's pretty those guys it's it's pretty it, it could be it's not as bad as you know hauling a clam rake through the bottom for uh hours and hours a day that's it's not as physically straining as that but um yeah because you know they do it with dredges they do tow dredges with a boat and i mean they're not they're not light they're heavy iron dredges but no it's it, it, it they, listen those guys would love to be uh you know, love it if they could make half their income a year uh, catching scallops from November to March, which, you know, they used to do. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's a bonus now, not 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 a uh, not a linchpin to the uh, to the year. But other things have been good. You know, guys are growing oysters. Uh, clam prices are very good and there's tons of clams. Um, and, you know, fishing is kind of OK. The guys working pound traps, you know, get good money for fluke and if um, they don't really catch many striped bass in the in the bays you know they get by other ways as best they can well one thing that this brings to mind for me is the american chestnut and chestnut blight because when the blight came it started to kill trees so the response was to go in and clear cut the trees thinking that that was going to stop the blight from spreading and of course that didn't stop the blight from spreading what it did is it took down all of the surviving trees that were resistant to the blight. So if you had blight come in and 5% of the trees survived in a hundred years, you would have a forest where 100% of the trees are resistant to the blight. Instead, what you had is the forest was repopulated with other trees 
and not chestnut trees. So the same thing when Mike said, what if you just left those surviving scallops out there instead of harvesting them every year? Yeah, if we gave it a couple of years, maybe we would have a more resistant population that was more tolerable yeah. to the warmer waters. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, there's something to be said for that because, uh, um, you know, like I said, it's not like harvesting scallops is a big deal for anybody anymore. They probably wouldn't, uh, yeah. they wouldn't have a problem if they didn't make that, you know, what a couple of grand. Uh, I mean, listen, a couple of grand is a couple of grand hard to get somebody to say, sure, just take that. But yeah, you, you're not going to, you're not going to put anybody out of business by shutting down a scallop season for a few years. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this if this persists, uh, especially if if the you know the experiments that Cornell's doing now with the selective breeding does in fact show that you know these these scallops that are surviving are doing so not just because of chance but because of you know genetic differences uh, in their makeup that that helps them survive. I wouldn't be surprised if this persists. If you you'd hear that kind of talk, um, which you know I mean all you have to do is have the town trustees say. You know, go to the Bayman, work it out and say, listen, we'd like to uh, we'd like to lay off and see if we, you know, give them a break for five years and let every single scallop that does survive spawn. Maybe we'll get a faster rebuilding uh, of the population that can that can, uh, you know, survive these kind of conditions. So it's a that's a that's a good that's a perfect analogy. And I uh, one that we should put away for when that discussion happens and, and let somebody uh introduce that to, to the Bayman and say, this is, this is the alternative. <laughs> so do I was curious if they, did they scallop further North of here, like up in Cape Cod or in the Boston area? Uh, Nantucket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nantucket has, is the farthest North. Uh, I, don't know about, I don't know about anywhere in Cape Cod Bay, but Nantucket Bay scallops are super famous. And um, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the Bay scallops that you've seen in um in seafood shops the last few years have been Nantucket Bay scallops. Uh, their season opens a, mo a month earlier, I think. They open in October. And they're, they're basically the exact same animal. Um, and they have a very good, uh, very, or a pretty good harvest up there. Uh, they have the sort of same fluctuations that we do down here. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see you know, some, some seafood shops, you know, say local Bay scallops because they bought them from Braun Oyster, who bought them from Nantucket. So, so are they seeing die-offs up there like we are? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. No. Oh, that's interesting. No, they've 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 had they've had pretty good harvest the last couple of years, as I recall, which is why you're seeing them in seafood shops down here. I mean, yeah, they're you know forty five dollars a dozen, uh, forty five dollars a pound because you know you got to ship them here, and they're that's a small place. They don't have the size of harvest that we do in a good year down here. You know, mm -hmm. Peconics when they have a good year, it's uh, it's a huge amount of scallops. Mm. I mean, even even the even the Great South Bay never rivaled what the Peconics produced, uh, you know, back in the back in the heydays. Uh, I, I, I forget what the number is, but, you know, the Peconic used to produce like 75 percent or 85 percent of the base scallops harvested in the whole country. We have, we have friends that live on Northwest Harbor in um, an old Fishing, an old fishing station and you go out behind their house and the piles of scallop shells from from the old days sort of like a little bit of history out there they make they make great driveway material <laughs> they're very they break down oysters too they mm -hmm. break down very soft and they look really cool uh -huh. and they you know they basically last forever 
Hmm. Just don't put them down your garbage disposal. I knew somebody in Sag Harbor that did that and they ended up wrecking wrecking the garbage disposal at the rental house. Oh, only in Sag Harbor. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good a new garbage disposal after well, that. Well, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's when somebody's like, why did you just put them in the driveway? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. You put that's what, you got to put them in the driveway. You got to you got to put them away from the house someplace for a couple of years first to let them let them dry out. Otherwise, you just get flies in your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your favorite way to put scallops before you go? Oh boy, I, I I don't I don't all fish. I don't mess with it, man. They're so good the way they are. Uh, listen, I eat uh, at least a quarter of the package raw <laughs> on the way home usually. Uh, and then, yeah, just in a pan, uh, salt and pepper on them and straight into the pan. No butter, no oil in the pan. Just let them burn in the pan until they break loose, then flip them over and that's it. Get them out of there. Space them out. They got to be, they got to be, you got to have at least two or three inches between each scallop. You don't want them, you don't want them steaming. Uh, you want them, you want them raw in the middle still, basically. Wow. We need to do a cooking podcast. Yeah, cooking with Mike. That's another podcast. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. Our our favorite our favorite recipes for local that produce. Is. That's a good one for the fall, man. Fall is fall is when you know, like early November is the peak of our uh, of our local uh, local local goods yeah. season. Definitely. All right, we'll put that one on the calendar then. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.